So, I, I, I don't know, I just kind of feel like it's worth acknowledging um, this morning. Uh, I don't know how you're feeling at home watching on, but for me, as I, as I was part of this gathered group this morning and worshipping in our restrained way that we have to be, I, in my heart, in my heart, I just... I don't know about you, but I just sense something of the injustice, the, the kind of righteous indignation of the Lord that his people have to do this. And a day is coming when we won't have to do this anymore. And actually, what came to my mind as I was worshiping and tussling and I could feel my heart kind of doing somersaults inside me as, as I was wanting to worship. That our God is the God who pays back. Do you remember um, Zacchaeus uh, when, when he was confronted with Jesus and he said to him, I will repay seven times over. Wow. <laughs> Seven times over, all that has been, all that I have stolen. And what Zacchaeus was doing in that moment was he was picking up an Old Testament um, precept of the Lord, where anyone who stole from the nation, who stole from God's people, was required to repay sevenfold. And I just got the sense that our our God is a God of vindication, and His church is going to be repaid sevenfold for what has been stolen in this season because of coronavirus. I don't point the finger at our government at all. I salute our government for doing what they have done and what they continue to do. It's complicated enough to organize this. I can't begin to imagine trying to organize a nation. So I salute our government. I think they're doing a fantastic job. I pray for my government. But I say this, the, the Lord will be vindicated and his church will worship with unbridled zeal again. And if I could shout, I would shout right now. <laughs> so, folks, the day is coming. The day is coming. But in the midst of this day that we are in right now, the Lord is powerfully at work. He is doing something that perhaps our eyes cannot see, but I don't know about you, I'm beginning to perceive in my spirit that the Lord is stirring his people. And if anything, he's, he's driving our hearts deeper into him, deeper into the bedrock of who he is for us in this season so that we become stronger, so that we, we will rise out of this season and be, and, and be even more glorious, even more bright and shining. Doesn't the scripture say, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. There is no other light that's going to come. Jesus Christ has come. He is our light and now we get to reflect his light. And nothing, nothing circumstantial will stand in the way of that. Nothing. I woke up this morning, I woke up several times this morning at ridiculous hours. I was really not having a good night. <laughs> I was there with you, Rob. But at about one o'clock this morning, I woke up and I, I, I had Romans 8, 
28, just going through my mind, these these well-known verses, this well-known verse, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. And I, I could not get this out of my head. I wanted just to go back to sleep, but it kept, it kept worrying in my mind. And so after some time of tussle, I got up and I got some books out and I wrote some stuff down and I looked into it a little bit. And what I discovered is that the word that is translated causes is exactly the same word that is then translated as works together. It's exactly the same word. And so you could retranslate this verse to say, And we know that God is working together everything to make it work together for our good. It's it's like God, I don't know if you watch Bake Off, but it's like God's got his fingers in the dough. He is intricately involved in what is going on in our nation and in our lives right now. He is pouring himself into our church, our nation, our town. He is pouring himself. His hand is upon us. His his arms are around us. And he is intimately involved. He has not stepped away. But he is working purposes that are beyond what we can ask or imagine. So don't worry if you cannot see what's coming. That's all right because he's the God of more than we can ask or imagine. He's the God who sees the end from the beginning, and we are in process, but he is the God who stands beyond at the end of the process, and he will not give his glory to another. And I just want us to to get hold of this at the start, and I'm going to come back to this verse at the very end. And I want us in our hearts to acknowledge that God is deeply involved in your life, in my life, in the life of his church, in this town and in the nations of the world. He is intimately involved. And he, the creator of all glory, is going to bring forth a glory that is going to be spellbinding for us. We are going through this this, uh, series called Scattered Servants based on this incredible book, uh, by, by Alan Scott. Uh, I must admit, it's the book I wish I had written. Um, I'm, I'm thinking I might change the, the, the cover, wait a few more months, and then republish it, you know, and just go, it's me, it's me. <laughs> I would love to do that. But it is, it's just so good. I've been kind of pouring my way through it, probably about the third time through, and just making notes. And I feel, I just feel like you know, I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember uh, John Wimber way back in the, in the early 90s. And he wrote a book called Power Evangelism. And that was a book of a generation. And I genuinely believe this is a book for our generation. This is such a prophetic declaration of what God is calling forth from his church in this season. And uh, yeah, I... I, I can't say any more. If you haven't read it already, get hold of it. It's, it's brilliant. It was written, it was copyrighted in 2018. So I'm guessing that Alan Scott wrote this at least 2018, maybe even began it in 2017 because writing books doesn't go quickly usually. Um, but it speaks so poignantly into our situation today. And just look at the A little quote here from 
this book on page 210. Remember, he wrote this in 2018. There is an increase of power coming. It's more than we have had before. It's a new normal. Ever heard that phrase before? It's an acceleration of favor. It's a fresh favor on us for a new future for our streets and for our cities. And here we are in the process of working out this new normal. Many prophetic voices have been speaking about God's reset, his recalibration of the church, his purposes being poured into this season, this new normal beginning to be birthed amongst us. And I just... I don't know about you, I'm, I'm feeling increasingly excited to see what God is going to draw forth out of this season for us and for his church across the face of the earth. Because he is, as I, as I said earlier, he is not one to surrender his glory to another. He will shine across the face of this earth, and person after person, family after family, nation after nation will come to his light and worship him with absolute abandon. And what we're doing is we're, we're using this, this book from, uh, from Alan Scott, and we're also trying to weave it together with um, Philippians, the, the book of Philippians in the New Testament, and seeing how God is speaking to us, both through his word and through this prophetic voice that he's brought to us in this season. Today we come to, I think, what is probably one of the most well-known uh, sections of the book of Philippians. And I, again, I, just as I've read this, I have felt inspired that God is about something very, very significant for us as his church in this time. We come to Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Let me get myself in the right place here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 5 through to 11. Now, did I say Ephesians? Forgive me. Philippians chapter 2 uh, verses 5 through, through to 11. And as I've looked into this, most Bible scholars believe that these verses are actually the words of an early hymn that the apostle is quoting as he writes to the church at Philippi. And again, I think as I, as I, when I spoke on uh, chapter 1 a few weeks ago, you just get this sense. Paul is overwhelmed with the person of Jesus Christ. It's, he, he's writing to a church that is facing some difficulties and he, he acknowledges those difficulties, but his vision is filled with the person of Jesus Christ. And again here in chapter 2, he comes back to the solution for every problem that we face is to fill our vision, feast our eyes upon the person of Jesus Christ. Every and every, every problem that our hearts seek an answer to, we will find that answer in the person of Jesus Christ as he reveals his glory to us. And so here we, we have these verses. Let's just read them through together. This probably one of the earliest ever worship songs to Jesus that was written. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. 
Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above every other name. That's where our freedom lies. Because his name is higher than any other force of evil that will come against us. His name is higher. That's the name that that his father, that our God gave him. His name is higher. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What are you facing? What are your problems? What are your relational problems? What are your health problems? What are your uh, financial problems? What are your provision issues? What are your anxieties and fears that keep you awake at night? Whatever it is, the answer is found in the name of Jesus. And only in the name of Jesus. We We can go to all other things. Let's face it, folks, we can even run to the organization of church. And we will not find the answer that we will find in the person of Jesus. One of the incredible things that perhaps you did not see coming, I did not see coming, is that in this season, God is delivering us from churchianity and releasing us into the fullness of Christianity, where our relationship is focused on Jesus where every one of our needs is met in his person. And then when we come together, we will celebrate with such joy because we've met him, because we know him. It's, an, it's, it's profound stuff. These, these are words that scholars have written books about. Whole books have been written on these words, and I've got about another 15 minutes to go. And so there's just so much for us to try to to grasp hold of. I encourage you, take some time. Let the the truth of these words sink into your heart. Read them before you go to bed at night. Wake up in the morning, read them again. Let Let them permeate your soul so that you walk with the truth of the revealed Christ into whatever tomorrow holds, whatever it holds, because he has the answer. Now, it's not often that you'll hear me quoting from the King James Version. But as I looked at the the start of this passage, um, the the verse 5, where it said in the NLT, uh, let let the attitude, make sure you have the attitude, the same attitude as, as that of Christ Jesus, the King James Version puts it like this. Pushing the wrong button, this button. Philippians 2, verse 5, King James Version. Let this mind be in you. Let the mind of Christ be in you. It's massive. It's not not just admire the mind of Christ. Wasn't he amazing? Isn't he glorious? No, the instruction is take his mind, take his mindset and internalize it deep into yourself 
so that you do not think the way your human mind thinks, but you think according to the revealed mind of Jesus Christ. How did he think? How did he approach difficulties and obstacles, persecution and opposition, restrictions and restraints? What was his mind like? Well, the biblical instruction Or you could say the biblical invitation for every one of us is take that mind, let it be your mind. How will that change the way you think? I want to suggest it will change us all massively. There are a few transitions. There are three transitions in our behaviors, our attitudes, our thinking that I want us just to draw out of this little passage and apply to our lives as we go on into this next season. The first transition is a transition in our heart attitude to one another. Because this this letter uh, to the Philippians was written to a church in which there was infighting, there was argument, there was disagreement, there was jostling for position. There was also opposition from outside. There were people saying that they were heretics. There was people saying that they were um, uh, uh, positioning themselves against the Roman Empire. There was all kinds of accusation coming against them. And what we see when what Paul does is he directs people back to Jesus. And he says, let Jesus' heart attitude be reflected in your heart attitude. The transition is from reacting harshly out of self-preservation or self-promotion, transitioning to responding humbly out of the love of the Father. You know what? It's so easy. I I see it in myself. When somebody attacks me, the, the first reaction often in my heart is, right, Well, I'm going to counter that attack. I'm going to think it through. I'm going to rehearse the conversation. And when I see them, they're in trouble because they came against me. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He humbled himself. He, as as the, the passage says, he did not consider his status, his equality with God as something to cling to and portray in front of people and say, I'm God, I'm right, you're wrong. He said, I'm God, let me come down. Let me come down below you and wrap my arms around you and lift you up and let you experience the love of the Father. That will transform your heart attitude. Not me proving myself right. He's inviting us as his church not to be a body of people who argue our point and require others to yield to our way of thinking. We are not to be the church that stands on the periphery of society and says, we're right, you're wrong. We are to be the church that gets into the midst of society and serves that society and loves that society and lifts it up. Again, it's what thirst is doing. They are being salt and light in the community. Ewan, wherever he's gone, Ewan is being salt and light in the medical industry. There is, it's, it's such a worthy celebration 
Folks, we need to commission one another into our workplaces, into the construction industry, education, medicine, what, whatever. Name your profession and receive the commission of Jesus Christ to be his humble hands and feet, his humble, loving voice. Can we silence the microphone while I blow my nose? Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Transition one, our heart attitude. Let's be people who respond humbly with the love of the Father. Transition number two is a transition that I've alluded to already. It's a transition in our mindset. It's a transition from only believing in Jesus for my salvation to also believing like Jesus for the transformation of culture. Now, Folks gathered in this room this morning, I expect that all of you have believed in Jesus for your salvation and you have received that incredible blessing. Well, he wants to invite you further to go on in your journey with him to step into that place where your mind is transformed and you not only believe in him, but you believe like him. And therefore, your life impacts those around you because you walk into your workplaces, you live amongst your family members next door to your neighbors with the mind of Christ for them. What would Christ say to your next door neighbor? What would Jesus, how would Jesus interact with that difficult relative? We all have one. This is the Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We, like the people of Israel, have stepped into the promised land. We have reached that point of salvation and the invitation is now go in and inhabit the whole land. There is a whole land of the mind of Christ that we are invited to step into and take possession of. The outflow of that will be that the society around us will be transformed by the impact of Jesus Christ. We will become people who not only make disciples in the nations of the world, but we will become people who disciple the nations of the world as they see a body of people who are corporately transformed by his glory. It's a big vision, but we have an incredibly big God. The third transition is a focus. Where is the focus of our authority? The transition is that we will move from focusing on creating irresistible church services to empowering people who display his nature and authority everywhere, every day. So we have become good at exercising our authority to create church structure. But God invites us to go beyond that so that we, as his scattered servants, walk with the awareness of his authority into our workplaces, into our streets, wherever he scatters us. And we see kingdom transformation as a result. 
This little diagram I, I lifted out of, uh, out of Alan Scott's book, Scattered Servants, and added a few bits to it myself. But this has been for years the model of what discipleship looks like in churches. We have wanted to gather skilled, supportive servants. If we can disciple you to support the organization to make this thing run really smoothly, then fantastic. But that only works for the gathered church. As soon as the gathered church cannot gather, our skilled, supportive servants become redundant because the, the, the context for their handiwork is no longer there. What the Lord is inviting us to, and I believe this is significant in this season, He is inviting us to shift from this mindset to the next one, which isn't coming up. There it is. It's a little bit, gone a little bit wonky. But what we're looking for here is believers who know their identity, who are conscious of their authority, and who have clarity on the assignment that Jesus Christ has given to each and every one of us. And this is to flow out into every aspect of society. Now, the amazing thing, and this, this is what, what grabbed me with this, is that in the COVID world, people who know their identity, their authority, and have clarity on their assignment from heaven are unaffected by the fact that we cannot meet as church. They live their lives every day unaffected by the circumstance that we cannot gather on a Sunday because they know I am a child of God, I carry the authority of the king, and he has called me to release the life of his kingdom wherever I go. I don't need my church to live for him. And I just feel that there's something in this, in this season that the Lord is saying, church, I want you to wake up to this. I want every one of you to go out into this world of ours knowing who you are, why you exist, and the authority that I have given you. Coming to a close. And I, some of you, I think, have seen this image. It was doing the rounds on, uh, on social media during the week. This it's, it's a stunning image of a younger tree that is growing inside the split open bark of obviously what was a very, very old tree. And as I look at this, I just sense something of the invitation of what God wants to be doing amongst us in this season. As I said right at the very start, he is not wasting this season. He is in process of forming and shaping his church and making us new. But what we see here, I think, is a beautiful picture of what the Lord is going to be doing for us in this, in this coming season and, and with us in this coming season. What I see here is that the old form is making way for the new. The old form has provided uh, a place of shelter and a place of nurture, an environment which has pr promoted the growth of the new tree. And that new tree is drawing from the same soil. There is an honoring of history. There is a saying, yes, I recognize that life has flown uh, 
flown. I don't, yeah, maybe that's the right word. Dra- being drawn into my body from the same soil that this old structure uh, grew in. It has the same DNA. It's probably the same species of tree, but it's going to look different. And we, as, as the, the church of Jesus Christ in 2020, 2021, we're still going to have the same DNA. We're still going to be church. But we are going to go into this new season with new aspects, new dimensions that will look different, that will present differently, that he has interwoven into our DNA through this process. So we will look different. But we will ultimately fulfill the same goal of bringing glory to the name of Jesus Christ. When I finish off back where I started with Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. We know. Now let that knowing sink in. Because we are presented with challenge. We are presented with circumstances that are painful, circumstances that are disruptive. We are presented today with uncomfortable, an uncomfortable world. But if we know that God is actively working amongst us in this season, causing everything to work together for good, if we know that, then we will be able to have hope. We will be in a place where we can renew our trust in him. It will not matter what our prime minister says. It will not matter what restrictions we face because we know that God is working for our good and we can trust him. As I heard someone say uh, recently, this, for many of us, could be a season in which we kind of throw our hands up and go, I resign. Had enough. I resign. No. This is not a time to resign. This is a time to re-sign. To sign up again and say, God, you have not changed. Your goodness has not diminished. Your faithfulness to me and to your church is not one jot less than it was a year ago. You will still be glorified across the face of the earth. Therefore, I sign in again. I sign up again. I will go after you. I will trust you. I will hold your hand even when I don't understand the circumstance because I know you are the God who will see me through. It's time for his church in this season, to begin dreaming again about the possibilities that lie ahead. What will it look like when we get to re-engage with society? How will we meet the felt needs of people around us whose lives have been decimated because they have not known Jesus Christ through this season? It's time to dream again because our God is with us, because our God is for us, because he's endlessly good, and because... He invites us to partner with him to have the same mind as Christ Jesus. As we, as we close off, let's just close our eyes for one moment and invite him by his spirit. Do this at home.
if you're listening in from home. Just invite the Holy Spirit to drop into your mind dreams of his kingdom coming to earth, touching lives around you, dreams of the possibilities of the glory of his church rising and shining in the darkness of the post-COVID world. Lord Jesus, we so desire to step into the fullness of what you have made the way for. We want to step into the full identity that you have created for us. We want to be people who walk mindful, Lord, that we are your children, that you have commissioned us, that we therefore have authority, and that, Lord God, we get to release the life of your kingdom into every sphere of influence, everywhere we go, every day, through our words, through the look in our eyes, through our actions, through our prayers, through our declarations. Lord God, we thank you that you are not bound by this season. And we thank you that the answer to every longing in every heart is found in the perfect person of Jesus Christ. We love you. You're worthy. And we will worship you. Amen.